Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And guys, we got a good one today. I say it every week, but and I mean it, but this one is especially good. And I, I think it's because, well, A, obviously we got some turbulence going on in markets. We've got some historical inflation prints. So as always, we're going to, you know, we're going to cover that. Uh, almost exclusively and, and go into it in deep, uh, deep detail on the market update. But the other thing that I'm really excited about is we've got an interview today with a guy that I've been dying to have on for a very long time, a gentleman by the name of Hugh Hendry uh, and uh, a fascinating character. Uh, he was a hedge fund man- manager, a portfolio manager, the, the really the top portfolio manager for a very famous hedge fund manager by the name of Crispin Odie. And uh, Hugh uh, started working for Crispin, I, I want to say, in the late 90s, 2001. I think he started running a fund for him. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, Crispin Odie is one of those guys that, that you know, was part of that. I don't want to say it because it's the, the, <laughs> it's the name that shall not be named, but um, Soros, right? George Soros. And, and he wasn't in business with George Soros. But just came, he came out of that, that European, he was one of those European star hedge funds, hedge fund managers, you know, put up some monstrous returns. Um, and Hugh was a part of that and then spun out the fund that he was managing uh, for Chris Benotti into his own fund. So anyway, fascinating guy, very, very original thinker. And you'll get that listening to him talk. Um, it's just a, it was a great interview. Usually we only go an hour. I think we went almost an hour and forty minutes and didn't even realize it. Um, just a very fascinating guy. You guys will get a lot out of it. And a brilliant macro thinker. This is his sweet spot. What is going on in the world right now is where Hugh put up his biggest numbers. Crispin OD two, right? I think Hugh put up uh, what was he up thirty eight percent or something like that in two thousand eight. So um, you know these markets are really where he shines. So anyway, you guys, he's a fascinating, fascinating character. I hope you guys enjoy the interview as much as we did doing it. So um, anyway, market update. Uh, I guess we got to talk about inflation, right? (laughs) So let's let's put some context around this, okay? Let's put some understanding in what we're seeing in these inflationary numbers. Um, I've been telling you guys for over a year, year and a half, something like that, that you were going to see food and energy prices soar. Um, and guys, I honestly, you're going to see fits and starts. It's just the way inflation goes. But on the food and energy side of it, I don't even think we're close to seeing the apex of this. Um, now, I could always be wrong. There are always exo- right? There are always exogenous threats that come out of nowhere that can kind of change the chessboard in, in a very short period of time. Um, and that's a constant risk in any market, any business, right? That's just a, that's a, the risk of doing business. Um, but when you look out at the world, when you look out at the chessboard as it sits today, um, it, it just, it, it's really hard to come to any other conclusion. What, what, what continues to absolutely blow my mind is I feel like people are talking about this and I feel like they talk about it on TV and they entertain it. But it just shocks me that they, they're going through all this. Oh, there's going to be an energy shortage. Oh, food shortages. Oh, we got to be careful. Surging inflation. Go in there and buy tech. <laughs> You're just like, come again? What? Um, but anyway, hey, that's the way it is. And maybe they'll end up being proven right. I, I just, I, I fail to see how. Um, but, you know, I get that question all the time. Oh, is it too late? No. I mean, now listen, anytime you're investing in things like commodities, you know, when we say that we still think it's a, it's a wonderful investment, I'm not telling you where the stocks are going to be six months from now. I don't know. That's why we manage risk, right? Um, because it can be a wild ride. People are like, well, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, take a look back at the end of last year. 
right? The Omicron announcement comes out, which changes nothing. They're not going to lock the economy down again. I was on the radio telling you guys that. There's no way they're going to lock this thing down again. And by the way, this Omicron spells the end of the pandemic. Well, here we are. I just flew last weekend with no mask on a plane. And guys, I'm not saying this. to I get everything right. I've done whole shows on what I get wrong. It's not. I'm just saying that it, it amazes me when you come into these environments where everything is not everything, but these things are so obvious. And yet the markets go the other way. I, I, I yeah, I, I and I don't have an answer for why that happens. It just seems so obvious. Um, and then the other reason why it seems so obvious, guys, is when you break down the valuations of these companies, like people saying, oh, did I miss the run in energy? And I'm sitting there going, guys, these things are trading like oils at 60. So on, on a financial basis, a big drop in oil is already priced into these things. Now, if that were to happen, does that mean those things won't lose money? No, they will. They'll go down. But I, you know, if we can think, and we're going to get into this, we're going to talk about this in, in, in one of the segments today. But in times like these, you got to be a sober-minded thinker. That's your only advantage, right, to be sober-minded. And we're going to do a whole – I don't want to get into that right now. We're going to do a whole segment on that. What does that mean, being sober-minded? So anyway, inflation print comes out this morning, and it's at 8.6. Let me put some context. First of all, that's the highest inflation read we've had in this country in 40 years. And also, I, I mentioned this to the people in the first segment in Seattle, but, but if you hear a little scratch in the voice, I'm fine. I'm not sick. You might want to put on a mask while you're listening to the show so I don't, <laughs> so, so I don't get you sick. But uh, no, nah, just a little tickle in the throat. Hopefully, I'm not sick. It's the last thing I need. Kids, kids last day of school today. I think my wife had this panic look on her face. Like, what, what am I going to do with the kids for every single day? Um, <clears throat> but... No, it's, it's a little bit of a scratch, but I, so I hope it's not too distracting. But anyway, getting into the inflation print, I think it's really important to understand. I heard somebody say, well, the one, you know, the one bright spot is it's not accelerating as fast. And, and um, that, that, is not a, that is not a correct take. Okay, so it is accelerating faster. And they're like, well, yeah, but I meant that it's not up at nine. And you're like, okay, let's understand the way that inflation works. <clears throat> when we had an 8.3% inflation print last quarter. And we get 8.6 today. That means that prices were appreciating last quarter at an annual rate of 8.3%. Now prices are appreciating at an annual rate of 8.6%, right? So let's say you would have had a reading this quarter of zero, right? People would be like, oh, inflation's gone. No, no, no. It means that it didn't increase, right? That's, that's what it means. It means that you just stopped going up, right? That, that you just kind of froze it right there. So like, you know, it, 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 with really high, I mean, if you think food and fuel prices are high now, all that a 0% inflation print, I mean, it'd mean there was a little bit of a pullback. What I'm saying is I think people look at these numbers wrong. They don't really understand them. And that, that's true of most percentages anyway. We start talking percentages, <clears throat> you know, and I'm guilty of this too, but, and, and I'm not some mathematician, but I just deal with them every single day, right? And I think you start talking percentages and people start getting, you know, get, getting a little confused. But what that means is, like for instance, if, if you had inflation slow down to, you know, pull back to 5%, that doesn't mean that prices have decreased, three percent what it means is they are going up at a slower pace right to get prices to pull back across the entire economy across the things that cpi measures you'd have to go actually go into deflation right so an 8.6 print guys that shocked me i i am and i think the majority of that right now is food and fuel because core inflation Seems to be really, we got to see the numbers that are going to come out, but it seems to be slipping. Um, And what I will tell you guys, and I've said over and over that I was not concerned about real estate because I thought they'd keep rates low. Um, And I've read some articles saying, oh, real estate market is is really not slowing. It's nonsense, guys. You just doubled the borrowing cost on a home in what? What what was that? Six months? You went from like an average of like three, 3.2%. Now you're pushing six. 
I mean, if those rates stay where they are, guys, you can just, I'm not calling for a collapse. I'm just telling you, I would not want to be loading up on real estate right now. Okay. And again, I don't think you're looking at an 0809 scenario. But bottom line is, if you if you keep rates here, at the very least, real estate is going to quit going up and probably will pull back substantially. If you look at rates right now combined with home prices, this is the least affordable home market in record. It's already surpassed 07, the previous high. I mean, it, if you don't think that that's going to slow down housing, I got to – now – do I think housing's a bad long-term bet? No, because what, what is the Fed going to do? If it slows down too much and you get a 20 to 30% pullback in home prices, watch. They'll launch a first-time home stimulus deal, you know, where you go FHA and, they'll, and you can get a 3.5% loan, right? Uh, maybe they'll guarantee the rate for the first five years. Who knows? But I'm just – when we run into a problem, if it can be fixed with printed money and stimulus, they'll use it every single time. Bet your bottom dollar. So if you want to be really clever on the real estate market, this is not me giving advice. This is not me giving you a recommendation. I'm not telling you this isn't advice, okay? But in my opinion, if you want to be really clever in the real estate market, I'd sit back. Wait to see if you get a break. That's what I'm doing. The wife and I are entertaining, you know, looking at a new house, a little more acreage. You know, the kids are getting older, that kind of thing. I'm going to sit back and see what the market brings me here in the next few. I, I, just, I just think it's highly unlikely. You don't get at least a shot, you know, at, at, at meaningfully lower prices. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, let's see. <clears throat> the other one that we want to watch, I, I continue to be absolutely gobsmacked. Not really. But at the lack of credible response to this inflation problem. <clears throat> and I think the thing that is, that is more perplexing to me is that any legislation that they do pass, any action they take, only makes the problem worse. Okay, so I heard some cheering and, oh, thank God they're doing something. You know, uh, Biden administration passing a shipping, you're passing shipping legislation that's going to quote unquote control shipping prices. When you hear that, prices are going up. Okay, why governments cannot figure this out time and time again? Price controls make prices go up. They always do one way or the other. And I think, I think they're just playing politics right now. I think they're just pulling whatever lever, lever they can pull. And, I'm, and, and I'm, not, I'm not castigating them for this. I, I, think, I think, you know, I mean, I think 99% of politicians would approach it the exact same way, regardless of policy or uh, political affiliation. So I'm not, I'm not trying to just, oh, you know, Biden. It's just the one thing I will say is that every single thing they bring to the table, I sit there and I go, good Lord. Remember when they did the strategic petroleum reserve? Oil was like at 105, and I was like, get ready. Oil will be higher, most typically in the next six months. Didn't take six months, but here we are, 122. It just, it just doesn't work. And literally everything they do. If we didn't have, I would be far more worried about the commodity and the energy trades if we had competent, uh, uh, if we had competent leaders and we had competent government. And again, I'm not, I notice I said government. I'm not trying to get all political because, well, I mean, I do think different actions. I, yeah, I can't say that. I do think that there are other politicians that would probably make more rational calls. I mean, this is, this is just stunning. Um, but anyway, mm, <clears throat> I had to get a little sip there for the, for the raspiness. But um, I, yeah, on the, on, the, on the investment front, guys, I really don't think that there is much change. Um, I'm really interested to see the market right now is pricing. And if you look at the treasury market, and I, I, I think you're seeing it in the stock market as well, but the market is basically pricing in another 50 BIP rate hike, 50 basis point rate hike from the Fed. I think that, when does that come out? Is that, I want to say it's in a couple weeks or something. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so the market's pricing in 50 basis points. If you get, a 50 basis point hike here. I think there's probably a good chance that it would lead to a pretty non-eventful summer that you'd kind of get that typical sideways summer grind, maybe with a little rally, something like that. If uh, what we got to do is we got to see what the fed does in reaction to that number in reaction to that print. 
And I, I really think it's hard to make a call one way or the other on a macro level regarding stocks and commodities and all that stuff until we see what that next print is. Because if the Fed comes out and raises by like 75 basis points, this is going to get a lot uglier, right? And that's kind of the thing. I, you're looking at it and going, you know, if you look at the energy situation in general, is the inflationary environment helping that? No, but like you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, oil isn't at 120 because of inflation. Oil's at 120 because they've had negative investment in the energy sector for the last 12 plus years, right? And every developed country around the world is making it harder and more expensive to extract it. It's a self-inflicted wound. And at the same time, they're shutting down nuclear plants. At the same time, they're literally ripping down natural gas storage facilities with no credible way to replace them. So, I, you know, it's, it's hard to blame it on inflation. Uh, like I said, it's certainly not helping the scenario. But, um, yeah, just, again, it's not a political statement. It's just, I, it's, I, you know, and it, and it really worries me going forward because, like I've said before, you know, this is, the, the, this is what happens when ideology runs into, runs into reality. And if ideology wins, it's going to have a cost. Right. There's, there's going to be a price to pay for that. And I understand if you're listening to the show, you're like, yes, but we got to have clean energy. You got, I'm, I get it. I'm, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm not telling you that I would prefer a world running on, you know, coal and crude and biomass as opposed to, you know, <laughs> as opposed to fossil or excuse me, solar panels. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, one of the advantages or disadvantages, depending on your opinion, of something like energy is that you either have it or you don't, right? It, I mean, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't care what your ideology is. The bottom line is you can't power the bloody grids. So, I, you know, again, I, I expect oil prices to be volatile back and forth. I also expect there to be times where the politicians come out and say, oh, we got this thing licked. You know, to me, on the energy side of it, guys, it's really simple. Until you see a policy change, you're going to have issues, right? It's bottom line. Uh, until production is freed up and investment is freed up into that sector, you know, and, and even when it does, you've got a several, you know, typically a several year lead time until that new production starts hitting the market. So, you know, and there's nothing new there. I've been t- telling you guys that stuff. But, you know, now you're throwing that shipping legislation on it. The, we may look back on this and say that, you had an inflationary spike that was sparked by COVID and all the handouts and all that kind of stuff. And that policy mistakes just kept exacerbating the problem because if you want to fit and and, and it makes sense guys on a philosophical level, what have we been doing economically for the last 15 years? We've been doing the same thing in markets that we do in our culture, which is we just deal with the symptom. Don't deal with the cause, kick the can down the road. If you can use printed money to paint over the problem, to paper over the problem, do that. And they're, they're approaching this problem with the exact same approach, which, which makes sense, right? It's worked for them. It's kept them in power. Problem is, is you're dealing with a commodity. It doesn't work. You either produce it or you don't. It's binary. You can't manipulate it with interest rates. I mean, you could have a little bit of, uh, you know, you can have a little bit of influence over the spot price or even the curve price with changes in interest rates and monetary policy. But typically you can have an impact on it when, when there's, you know, this market and the thinking around it has always been, if we need more oil and we get short oil production, will ramp and it'll fill in the gap, but they're not allowing that to happen. So get ready. I, I, I remember taking a ton of flack. People going, Oh, it's crazy. When we were saying that we thought gas could get to eight, eight to 10 bucks. Uh, I just saw some signs, I believe, in the state of California where you're over seven. And like I said, I, I don't think that the worst is in. I don't even think it's close. Again, won't be a straight line. Now, none of this is good for the economy. None of this is good for the country. I don't, I, none of this is good for anything. But it, it does make some really compelling investments. <laughs> opportunities and you know people are like don't you feel bad about it? i no, i don't feel bad about it i'm sorry i just don't we need the stuff you may not like it that's fine you know it's like the military you may not like war doesn't mean you should get rid of your military i mean there's just a reality right and i'm all about the transition to cleaner energy 
when you have viable alternatives, and you just don't. So, anyway, outside of that, guys, that's the game. I mean, if you want to boil this whole market down, um, first of all, I do not think the market is going to have a sustained rally until there is confidence that the Fed has reached the end of its um, rate hiking cycle. And then even on top of that, guys, I think one of the things that people aren't talking about, they're all focused on inflation. You go look at the underlying economy, and, and it is showing some signs of serious problems. Again, dollar index creeping up toward where are we at on the old DXY? Well, w- whatever we got, the five horsemen of the apocalypse, as we've been calling them, they're still, I mean, they're running rampant. I think we might have touched a new high. Yeah, dollar index back over 104. Holy smokes. Um, and I'll just continue to tell you guys, not calling a prediction one way or the other, but we, as long as you have the dollar index where it is, interest rates going up, and inflation that is increasing, you must be defensive. You must. This is like, I mean, just take my word for it, guys. In terms of macroeconomic backdrops, it doesn't get a whole lot worse. Now, there have been bigger problems that the world has been presented with. I'm not saying that this is, you know, akin to World War II, right? Um, But what I'm saying is in, in an environment, right? And I've said this on the show a million times. Nobody can predict when a crash happens, but you can definitely be aware of the environment in which crashes happen because they almost always have a lot of similarities. When I look at this macro backdrop, it has all of those and it has them in spades inflation. Yep. Actually at a 40 year high. How about the dollar? Yep. Actually at a 22 year high and pushing higher. How about crude? 120. How about nat gas? Three, you just right. So all the input costs to businesses are going up. And the economy is slowing down. I'm just, that's not an environment where you want to be loading up on expensive tech. It's also not an environment where you want to be running around naked. This is why we manage risk for these environments. That's why we've hated bonds. And I know for a fact, I say this every week, I know for a fact there's a lot of you out there that have been listening to the show for years, been intending to call. Guys, mm, you need, I, you need risk management. I mean, you just you just need it. Value portfolio still up. We got hit a little bit today. I think we we're down one percent today. We're still up about two and a half. I want to say on the year. Overall, both portfolios are right around even, slightly positive on the year. Just kind of holding holding treading water. When week started, we got up to six percent on the value portfolio. We've pulled back about two and a half. So maybe we're a little higher than two. But but risk management works. Now we're not making tons of money, but we're not getting hit. And like I said, I just don't think this is over. Don't be one of those people, Zach, you know what I should have called earlier. I knew, you know, because that whole risk management approach, look at how it did last year for us. We beat the average stock bond portfolio by, don't quote me, but I want to say like three, four percent. And yet we're slightly positive on the year. Average stock bond portfolio is down 18, 19. There's a better way, guys. And if you want that type of thinking and that type of management, people actually managing your money, not just sticking it in funds and telling you to ride it up and down and you pay them a fee for that. If that sounds like a joke, it is. If you want something else, give us a call. 866-779-RISKY and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. Follow me on Twitter at KYR Radio. You guys know the drill. Got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? ironically bonds really why because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates it's likely to create some serious inflation and inflation crushes bonds if your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds you may need a bond replacement strategy now get our free booklet common sense investing to learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss but still seek market gains our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost call now for your free copy of zach's new version of common sense investing learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement bulwark capital management is an investment advisor representative of trek financial llc and sec registered investment advisor 
You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And this next segment, just bear with me because I think it I I think it's a fascinating topic. I think it is extraordinarily important. I think it is extremely prescient and and uh, I, very applicable to the environment we find ourselves in. But I have, I'm sitting in my office right now. It's the COVID bunker. I used to do this show in a proper radio studio. And I hated doing it in the office. Now I look back on it and I'm like, man, I just, I love being able to, love being able to do the show in the office. But I am one of those guys that doesn't have a lot of stuff in his office. I'm very discerning about what I put up on my walls. And I just don't like that whole cluttered flea market feel, you know, got to have things clean. And I probably don't, won't ever add anything more to my walls, but I'll tell you what is in my wall or on my walls in my office. There's three things. First of all, a sign above me, above my desk, actually, it's a, it's a Bible verse, Micah 6, 8, act justly, love mercy and walk humbly. Um, I think it's pretty solid advice for everybody and kind of self-explanatory. The other one that I have, it's a beautiful wood deal that my wife got me for Christmas was the man in the arena, the, the poem by Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and again, I think that's sort of self-explanatory. When you do this job, you are going to get lot. You're going to get hit. You're going to have tough years. You're going to feel like you can't pick anything, right? You're going to feel like no matter what you buy, it's going to go down. No matter what you pass on, it's going to go up. Um, and you know, that poem goes right into it, right? The credit belongs to the man in the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood and who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, you know, just a reminder of all you can do is get up every single day and throw your best at it. And that if you continue to do that, you increase your chances, right? It's, it's just, you just keep chopping wood. That's why that's there. But the one that I wanted to focus on is If, the poem by Rudyard Kipling. That's the other thing I have on my wall. Um, first of all, it's just one of my favorite poems of all time because it is so true, line by line. And in a lot of ways, it's marred my own, or excuse me, marred, it's marked, it's, it's, it's almost uh, recorded my own progression as a human being and as a man, you know, trying to get better every day. Um, not just at what I do, be a better father, a better husband, a better member of society, a kinder person, a more discerning person, a more wise person. And one of the lines in it that I think is so prescient to this right now is the very first, very first stanza, very first line. If you can keep your head about you or can, when you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but, also, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to, hate, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too proud nor talk too wise. Um, and for those of you that don't know, there's four different stanzas in the I, I could read them all to you. I just love it so much. But there's three more stanzas, and they go like that, and it's basically a father telling a son what he needs to do to be a man. But the first line, if you can keep your head about you, or excuse me, when you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. And guys, I don't know if there is a line that is more applicable to the culture, to the markets, to the country, a lot of ways the world, than that line. And, and this is a period of time where, and like most periods of times, you know, which is the thing that is needed the most is the thing that is at the greatest deficit, right? It's kind of supply and demand. It's kind of a natural law. But I think it is so true and so applicable to right now because what is needed? Wisdom. And I'm looking for it. And I certainly don't have the corner marketed on wisdom. Or excuse me, I don't have the market cornered on wisdom. But I'm looking for it in our elected leaders on either side of the aisles. I'm looking for it in policymakers. I'm even looking for it in most of us citizens. And I don't see it anywhere. And as, dis, as, as, as concerning as that is, that's also where the opportunity lies. 
right? If we can set back, if we can be willing to be a, uh, not a part of the crowd, if we can deploy wisdom and thought, real rational thought, real analysis based on fact rather than conjecture and nonsense, that's what will get us through these times, especially as investors. Right? We, we need to be disciplined and focused on the reality. We need to be able to shut out the noise and look through all the smoke and nonsense and, and go and decide what is true. Now, the other thing that that, that that comes with, again, it reminds me of life. You know, you look at somebody that's trying to make their way in the world, like I was when I started Bulwark, and still am to a large degree, right? But there's this thought out there that if you're on the right path, that you're doing the right things, there shouldn't be any resistance. And it just couldn't be further from the truth, right? The path that you want to go on typically has a ton of resistance. And eventually you reach a point in time where the resistance gets less for a couple reasons. A, you're stronger. You're used to to running against the wind. But B, just because momentum starts working on your your side. And I I equate it to my life, right? There were so many times where – throughout my career and, and through launching Bulwark, that there were doubts. There were tough months. There were months where to pay employees that were living off a credit card and just kind of getting on our knees every night and going, hey, you know, God, you better catch us, right? Um, but, but that is also true in investing, meaning if we're in the right things, that both A, are safe and will and we'll, and we'll protect our wealth, but B, also grow it, Right in a way that outpaces inflation or other threats out there. There's tons of opportunity out there, but a we got to be wise. We got to be willing to to segregate ourselves from the herd. We got to be willing to stand alone, and sometimes that's lonely. Sometimes it's disconcerting. I'm a human being. I'm, I I get it. The other thing that we've got to do is we've got to have the knowledge that if we're in the right place. Again, like I was just saying about life, if we're doing the right things, if we're invested in the right things, it doesn't mean everything's going straight up, right? There's bouts of volatility. I point to, again, till the end of last year, right? Oil plummeting 26% on the news of the Omicron environment or the Omicron variant because the market's read on it was, oh no, they're going to shut the economy down again. It was completely wrong. That knocked oil down to 68 bucks. How many people wish they could go back just seven months ago and load up on oil and oil stocks back when they were, you know, Half the price. Did that hit at the end of the year that we took in our portfolio? It hit the value portfolio. When October ended, the value fund that I run was up 40% year to date. S&P was up like 18. That move in oil at the end of the year took us down to 28% gain on the year. It hurt, especially because we knew it was nonsense. But what did we do? First of all, when it started falling, because we manage risk, we didn't just sit there, you know, stubbornly and go, we're just going to hold these. What do we do? We manage the risk. We hedge the positions. What did that allow us to do? We actually made money on those hedges with the drop in oil and oil stocks. Then what did we do? We harvested the profits off of those hedges, those things that made money because oil and oil stocks were going down. We harvested those profits and used them to buy more of our favorite oil place. Right? That's risk management. Does it mean we're always just going up? No. And especially in this environment, it won't mean that. And so if you're, if you're investing in this kind of stuff on your own, and I'm not recommending it, guys, I am not out there recommending you go load up on this stuff on your own. Okay, so for our listener out there that emailed in and said he went short tech and long energy and he was up 55% on the year or something like that, 51 maybe, I, I'm really happy that worked out for him. Because he's killing me, right? Because I'm, I'm managing risk. I'm just saying, I'm not advocating you go do that at all. But what I'm saying is we got to be willing to stand outside the fire, right? Or excuse me, we got to, yeah, we got to be able to, to, to stand outside the group. And then we have to have the discipline to keep that wisdom and that longer term look in, in, in view. And, and, and for a lot of you, it's been a long time since we've had a commodities bull market. And one of the things that you have to do when you're in one of these is, A, you should study some history and you should know 
that 25, 35% pullbacks are completely normal. You can even go back further than that and still be in a bull market. It, it's, it works a lot like regular markets, tech runs, just the volatility is greater. And that's where I think having your feet rooted, right? Having, having, you know, doing the back, you know, doing the work, analyzing the different companies. How do you hold a company that drops 25 or 35% and not panic sell it? Because you know what you own. Is it fun? Nope. <laughs> Nobody likes to see it. But, you know, we, it's like that with a lot of the energy plays that we own. Everybody's like, well, what if oil pro- drops down to 70? And we've talked about this before. What if oil drops back to 70 bucks or whatever? And I'm like, well, these things are actually really, really profitable <laughs> with oil at 65. This is when we have to think about that. This market has shifted. This is not just to look at a chart and buy the thing with the uptrend. I mean, unless you're looking at some of the energy and commodity stuff. But what has worked for the last 15 years, guys, it ain't happening. And I don't think it's going to work for quite some time. This is when you must know what you own. Because we're so used to just owning these big tech companies that when one of them pulls back a certain percent, you know it's runs over and you just get out of the way. You take that approach with this commodity market, you're going to get you're going to get blown out. You'll probably lose significant money. And that's all part of risk management and value. That's another one. If you're not a fundamental investor, you better bone up. And why do I say that again? Knowing what you own. Why is that so important? Because we want to find the things that are really cheap. Why is that important? Because if if let, let's say, for instance, that some of those oil stocks that we own, let's say oil drops back down to 70 bucks. Oh, they're running. You, you can already hear it, right? Oh, the running oil's over. We got inflation licked, blah, 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 right? Again, unless I see something change on the policy side, I know that this is just a pause until the next leg up happens because there's just not enough supply. But why is cheap so important in these times? Because it's sort of like your house, right? Does anybody ever check the Zillow estimate on their house and find out it's down 5% and panic sell it? No. Because you know what you own, right? Same is true with these companies. Will their stock get hit if oil drops 70? Of course, yeah. Will it freak me out? No. Why? Because they're already priced like oil is there, which means they're going to be spitting out great cash flow at that level. And even, well, they won't make quite as much. But, but what can they do? They can buy back stock. They can buy other assets. They can do all kinds of things that, where they can manufacture their share price, price higher. Right, the fluff and the tr- and the and the and the you know the thrust of all these Wall Street bet people and all that kind of it's all it's already evaporated. It's gone. Fundamentals are what's going to drive it now. And honestly, with those kind of companies, and again, there's no silver bullet, there's no guarantee. But unless something structural changes, not only will we continue to hold those things, we'll buy more. Why? Because you're buying a dollar for fifty cents with most of these things. And again, I'm not telling you to go out and buy them. I, I, I don't even know which stocks you would buy. And I'm not going to give specific names because I don't want to get in trouble with regulators. But that's why that's so important. Right? You're buying a tech company, trading at 10 times revenue or whatever. That stock drops 70 or 80%. They don't even have any cash flow. There's nothing they can do. That stock's dead until people want to start buying it again. When you're buying commodity price this cheap with cash flow where it's at, they'll just buy back all their stock. They'll issue special dividends. Their stock will go up. It will. But Zach, what about the guys? And I'll repeat this. I've said it on the show before. Anytime I have not bought a stock that I thought was really cheap because I would, wor- I was worried that somehow maybe the world wouldn't need their product again or whatever. I look back on that and, and I kick myself for literally every single one of those trades being missed. Because I allowed cultural fear or market fear or other people's concerns go against what I knew to be true. And that's how I feel about energy. What do I know is true? 10 years, we're going to need probably more oil than we, than we need right now. You might not like that I say that. But that's like me getting mad, getting mad at me for saying the sky's blue. It's just the facts. And that's another part of wisdom. We've got to separate that emotion from it. So anyway... Um, Going to take a quick break, and if you guys, as always, if you want that style of thinking, right, which I think is very important and it's very short supply, call us, 866-779-RISK, and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com. Sign up for the podcast, too. The more subscribers we get, we continue to add better and better guests or, more, you know, higher profile. I, don't, I wouldn't say better, but the more subscribers we have, the more we can roll. Anyway, we're going to be right back after this break. We'll have a quick little segment and then kick off the remainder of the show with the interview with Hugh Henry. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. 
And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, just a really short thing that I thought was a good kind of addendum to that last segment we did is this environment, guys, this is exactly why we manage money the way we do, which is manage risk and first and foremost, prevent the catastrophic loss, right? And it's not just because we're afraid of losses or that our clients don't like them, but even more important, it's to improve long-term results. Because when we're playing defense, when everybody else is getting hammered, prices of everything are getting cheaper and cheaper. And we're still maintaining our cash. Look at us this year, right? Our average accounts are up, stock accounts are up 1, 1.5% on the year. Market's down 18, 19. So what does that mean? Our dollar already goes 20% further than it did January 1. Right? Our buying power of all the assets around us is increasing. We're not making tons of money. We're only up 1%. But it's like being up 20 If you're up 20%, you can buy 20% more stuff, right? Well, if everything drops in price 20% and you stay still, it's the same thing. That's the other reason we manage risk. All of the generational opportunities, the greatest opportunities to build wealth, come in the worst crashes, come in the worst environments. Right? People, that's where everybody gets excited at the top, right? Everybody's happy, excited about Bitcoin at 65,000. And I'm just using that as an example. But when is the real money made? It's when you're buying Bitcoin at five bucks. And I'm not at all suggesting you go out and buy Bitcoin, just using it as an example, right? The same is true in the market. And that's one of the reasons that risk management is so important. Yeah, we don't want to go down. We don't want to take big hits. It's not good for the long, the long term for our clients' portfolios. It's scary. It makes people do irrational things. It's no good. The other reason why we do it, guys, is so we can be greedy. So we can buy when nobody else can. Because I will tell you this. Regardless of how nasty this gets, there will be generational investing opportunities. And I think we're looking at them right now. When you can buy companies at prices where you're buying the company at 500, you know, you're buying a company at a billion dollars. And this year alone, it's going to free cash flow five to 600 million. That's insane. Like I've said, it's like buying a million dollar house that you can rent out for 500 grand a year. But there will be more. I think this is just the start of it. So anyway, that's why we manage risk and that's why we've got to be like, we've got to keep our head about us when all around us are losing theirs. And that's risk management. So anyway, that's all we got for the show today. We're going to finish up with a few minutes of the Hugh Hendry interview. Once again, as always, guys, download this podcast. You want to listen to what this guy says. He's one of the brightest hedge fund managers of the last 20 years. Worked with Chris Benotti, one of the big stars over there in Europe. Put up incredible returns in very tough markets, like 30 plus percent in 08. Very brilliant guy. And most importantly, he ran a macro fund. He was built for times like this. That's why we wanted to have him on. So I hope you enjoy it. Have a wonderful weekend. As always, guys, if this type of thinking and risk management makes sense to you, none of our clients own bonds. They're not getting hit, right? We've been talking to you about this stuff for years. If that makes sense, which it should, there's a better way to do it. There's a way better way to do it. Cheaper, more upside potential, and way less downside risk. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. We'll see you guys next week. Enjoy the radio and hang in there. We'll be back. Got another great one lined up for you next week. But I'm not going to tell you who it is. You got to wait and see. Anyway, have a great weekend. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. 
You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I have a very special guest here with us today. It's obviously the favorite, well, my favorite part of the show once again. And this one is certainly up there. I, I've been dying to pick this guy's brain. Uh, he is all macro. All, well, he, I'm sure he's got more skills and more areas than that, but he's got quite the macro chops and this is obviously a very macro driven market and so uh i figured it was the perfect time to have on this gentleman he was kind enough to join us so without further ado mr hugh hendry thank you so much for uh joining us today pal and uh great to have you on the show an absolute an absolute pleasure let's do it well do you see you you may not you might want to take that back uh (laughs) 45 minutes or so anyway man um this is your wheelhouse, and kind of the, the thought that I had about the interview is being a guy that runs, uh, runs a fund, um, I first wanted to just pick your brain about your career. Um, you've, you've been a lot of places. You've done a lot of really interesting things, worked with some really interesting people, and then just wanted to dive into the macro and pick your brain and, and uh, you know, kind of just see what, how you're looking at the world. Um, but first, I got to ask you something. Um, if you live where you live, which I was, I had the, I had the good fortune of visiting that God blessed little island that you live on. Um, first time there, down at Nikki Beach, and you know, just doing the doing the St. Bart's thing. And I was, my wife and I just absolutely fell in love. What in the world are you doing in London? Oh, um, great question. Well, you know, too much of anything, you know, is, <laughs> yeah, you, you got to get distance to, to, to gain perspective. Yeah. And, um, my, my, my family, I, I you know, I, I have the dishonor of being the father that chose not to live with the family because you know, I, I fell in love. You know, some people, some people fall in love that have girlfriends. I have St. Barbara. So, um, St. Bar- <laughs> St. Barts is my, my touchstone. Um, I'm, I'm 10 years younger there. And oh. you know, my ideology, uh, my game plan is to be younger uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I'm working on it. I'm working on it today. Uh, when I'm in London, I, uh, <laughs> it takes a pause. Um, but, but yeah, London, as I see, the, see the, the folks. And then I'm hoping I've got a, I'm hoping to maybe get out to LA. I've got a great, great buddy. And he is going to be performing he's written some amazing music which we wrote or he wrote principally in, in St. Box but I jammed on it and he's going to do his first live gig towards the end of the month so um, you know I'm out there hey you know something that blew first of all and if you guys if you've never been to St. Bart's uh, I'm you, Hugh may not want me saying this but you gotta fix it because it is just spectacular but one of the things that I wanted to actually ask you about before we dive into the, dive into the finance and investing side of things um, we one of the things that blew me away about the island was the cuisine, the food. Man, the food was just lights out. What is that? Is that just a kind of a, the island effect of the melding of different influences, or you know, there's just this little island out there in the middle of the you know middle of the sea there, and the the food was just unbelievable. What what, what do you attribute that to? Oh, okay. So so that's that's it's easy, but it's it's a really good insight because. Um, at the risk, without a doubt, of, of upsetting the many, um, but I do not like the Caribbean. Okay, and and despite the location, Saint Barts is very definitely not the Caribbean. It is, you know, it's the farthest outpost of Europe. It's a tropical Saint uh, uh, Tropez. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, it is. Um, you, when you're there, you're landing. In Europe, um, it's kind of like Monaco 50 years ago, um, and who knows what it will look like in 50 years' time. But you know, let me let me recite the, the Golden Trinity. There is the island has been the island is unique in being uh, under the the guidance um, of a weird Anglo-Saxon cult from northern France who have secured prosperity and avoided debt. So it has no debt. It has no taxes. And it has no crime. And like you say, it is set up to have the best of everything. 
that life can afford from the most pristine, beautiful white beaches to these fantastic restaurants and hotels that the majority of accommodation is via uh, luxury uh, villas. I mean, I'm responsible. I, I have one um, a gorgeous villa uh, near Gouverneur um, for six bedrooms, and I'm currently uh, building another. Um, so we'll see how that pans out but um, yeah it's you're not coming to the Caribbean the Caribbean is typically you arrive and you go to some luxury resort which is caged you know you're you are separated from the local community because it's it's sadly it's probably a locale which has suffered from poor governance and and it has crime and it has all social problems that is not St. Bart's St. Bart's is Disneyland uh, for the voyeuristic and uh, for me being a lover of all things French I, I recall my, my my first lunch with feet in the sand you know topless girls smoking gitan and then drinking champagne from the bottle and dancing on the table and I thought yes. gee I, I, don't, I don't know what it is but I like this place that is hilarious you brought that up we went down to Nikki Beach while we were there and which everybody goes to, I'm sure. Uh, and sure enough, man, I, I saw that. So walked in, lady probably 35, 40 years old, dancing on the table, bottle of champagne. And I was, it was just like, uh, I'm trying to think. It was like, it's like a spring break party, but for adults. You know what I mean? All right, guys, unfortunately, due to time constraints, we got to cut the interview off right here. But like I told you during the regular show, you can hear the rest of this interview free of charge on our podcast Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. You can get us on Stitcher. You can just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Play it right from your phone. Bluetooth it on your car. It's super easy. Um, And you can get all the interviews we've ever done. Anyway, you guys can be the ultimate judge. Anyway, have a great weekend, uh, and we will see you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.